As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with me is TJ Inman. And we are here to recap Indiana's 37-21 win over Rutgers last Saturday and preview the number 13 Hoosiers matchup against number 13 or 23 uh, Michigan Wolverines on Saturday at noon, and that game will be on Fox Sports 1. Uh, sorry for the delay in the podcast. I had something pop up last night that was a semi-emergency. Uh, so we're coming to you on Election Day. We promise to keep it politics-free uh, as much as possible. But uh, here we go. A word from our friends over at Bet Online. Uh, football is back in full effect with many teams strutting their stuff. You may be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use pr- promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Well, TJ, um, let's dive into Rutgers real, uh, real quickly before we get into Michigan. What were your thoughts from the game on Saturday? I think Indiana gave a, a pretty mature, solid performance. Um, there was uh, certainly some concern in the first quarter not not with the score or anything like that. Just the, the, the kind of mental mistakes that Indiana was making. Uh, a bit sloppy there to begin the quarter. And, and to be honest, it was a bit sloppy throughout the game uh, with the penalties mainly. But, you know, it just uh, uh, getting into the red zone, not cashing in with touchdowns, uh, as partially due to a, a poor snap from Harry Kreider. Uh, you know, Rutgers – drive was uh, not their first one. I believe it's their third drive uh, that they were able to march down the field and score after a roughing the passer penalty. Uh, so, you know, some sloppiness early. However, once Indiana got themselves settled in, uh, I would say starting in the second quarter, they really did play a, a good game um, on both sides of the ball. The offense opened up a little bit. Uh, and we, we saw for the first time this season outside of a, you know, wild two-minute drill, we saw what Michael Penix is capable of when he's in rhythm, uh, able to really zip some passes to different wide receivers. Uh, the drive where Rutgers cut it to eight, and Penix responded with a perfect drive right down the field. I thought it was really good play calling from Nick Sheridan on that drive as well. Uh, Indiana executed really well got up and, and the game really never truly in doubt after that. Um, the biggest standout for me was likely the amount of pressure Indiana was able to get 
uh, on Noah Vedral, the Rutgers quarterback. Uh, and that primarily came from unique blitz schemes from uh, Kane Womack. I thought he did a really good job uh, calling that game as the defensive coordinator. Indiana sent Taiwan Mullen on three separate uh, corner blitzes. He got three sacks, which is uh, incredibly rare for a defensive back. Uh, and his defensive back partners, Reese Taylor, tackled really well. He had a number of good plays. And then I think Jalen Williams has played the best football of his career so far through these two games. He's been really impressive as well. So I thought the secondary play, not really all that much in pass coverage, but their overall game uh, was outstanding. And Indiana deserves a lot of credit for settling down and having, I keep coming up with that word, mature, solid. Uh, That's the type of win that a ranked team goes on the road and gets. Uh, and Indiana did that. They didn't really leave that much doubt in the outcome. They didn't spank Rutgers. Rutgers has certainly improved, but IU was the better side, and ultimately uh, they made that show by dominating the Rutgers offensive line and doing enough on offense to get the comfortable win. Yeah, I agree. It was kind of a slow – it was a very slow start for Indiana, and and then you saw Wattfillier kind of – pump up the defense on that one side. And, and I think that after that, the team started rolling. Special teams is, was pretty good outside of the one long return. And your onside kick, which you got to be – they were ready for it. You had the hands team on there. Uh, it is either a blown assignment or since Rutgers is running back and forth uh, like 30 times on it, just a little confusion and Greg Schiano under Greg Schiano Rutgers is an excellent special teams team um in his first tenure they blocked like a gazillion kicks they did all this stuff on special teams which helped them win games and get to to where they were under him uh but I I thought solid all around Charles Campbell was Big Ten special teams player of the week um I thought Hayden Whitehead, although he wasn't booming kicks, was really efficient with his kicks. We saw him kick right-footed. I've been saying that all year. We saw him in in spring practice practicing that right-footed kick, uh, pinned him inside the 20 uh, there as well. It's just another wrinkle you could put on special teams, especially that he has a history of being predictable and and coming up with big blocks the last two years uh, in big situations. But offensively, I thought Nick Sheridan uh, took a lot of unwarranted heat on social media uh, and things like that. If You have to be able to block whatever you want to run. And right now, Indiana's biggest problem on offense is their left side of that offensive line. And Mike yeah. does not have a lot of time, and the run game's not really there. So all this, is it, it's limited. And so people are saying that, oh, it looks like Mike DeBoer. Well, he is a Mike DeBoer disciple, but he's also a Kalen DeBoer disciple. Um, and you saw that with that, that second drive of the second half where they put the game away, and he was stepping up and throwing, and they went with, uh, they went with some pace and things like that. Um, but I, the, the, the fan base needs to cool it on Nick Sheridan. He's the youngest offensive coordinator in the Big Ten. Uh, he's done some really good things. They put up 37 points. Yeah, they probably could have put up more. They're 11 for 11 on the season in the red zone. Yeah, a lot of those are field goals, but 
you're 11 for 11. That means you're not taking negative plays. You're not turning the ball over on first, second, and third downs. And when you get in the – you either get in the end zone or, or put points on the board, and that's huge. So, you know, I, I'd like to see the offense lose, use Samson James a little bit more. <laughs> I thought he had a really good game, even though he only had six carries. I think he had 33 yards. But he's just a little bit more explosive than Stevie Scott getting to that second level. Uh, but ultimately, it comes down to the offensive line. And Caleb Jones uh, and the combination of Dylan Powell and Mackenzie Wara at, on the left side of the, the line is not going to cut it the rest of the season. They, they either have to improve drastically or – you're going to have to shuttle, shuffle some, some around. You saw Luke Haggerty come in for a little bit at left tackle instead of Caleb Jones. Maybe you kick one of them inside and, and, um, and move Harry – or, you know, maybe Haggerty's that guy. Maybe, you know, you, you put Kadick at, at center and, and move Kreider back over to guard and things like that. But you, they got to figure that out because it's killing the run game. And – more times than not, Michael Penix is under pressure and cannot throw the ball downfield. They were able to do that on Saturday. I thought they loosened up um, the defense with some long throws uh, and opened up the run game a little bit. But these people who say that, that Nick Sheridan is terrible, and I, I, there are some writers doing it too. And it's just – it's been two games. You have no idea. There was no offseason. You, you did not have spring football – and he did not have a full fall camp, like a regular fall camp in terms of installing stuff. They, they, were, they were limited in groups. So who knows what's installed in that, play, uh, in that playbook, first of all. And second of all, you've got to block for it. So, you know, you're calling an offense with one or both of your hands, uh, you know, behind your back. And if you think it's on Sheridan, either you don't know football or you, you just, you're, you're lazy and looking for a reason to blame the offensive coordinator uh, for a story. Uh, so I thought Sheridan called a decent game. I thought he called a decent game against Penn State. Uh, but players got to execute, and you got to block, you got to catch the ball, you got to throw the ball, and you got to run. Uh, you know, coaches can't do that. As Giselle said with Tom Brady, he, you, you can't throw, catch, and, and coach at the same time. Nick Sheridan's eligibility is out um, and, and things like that. So. To me, offensive, they started to gel in the second half. If they play like they did from the second quarter on, on, on against Rutgers, they'll be fine the rest of the season. Um, nobody in the Big Ten's beaten Ohio State unless it's COVID. Um, so you could probably forget about that. But everybody else is gettable. Uh, so, so we'll see. Uh, defensively, I thought they played very, very well. Um, Outside of the Micah McFadden roughing the passer, I thought the Javon Swan roughing the passer was just a hustle play gone wrong. He was trying yeah. to get to the quarterback. He was being held and blocked into the quarterback, and his hand got him in the head. It wasn't a malicious play. It wasn't an undisciplined play. Uh, it was just a hustle play gone wrong. Um, and the defensive line got their hands up. You saw Jonathan King get an interception on a ball that was batted like 40 feet in the air that probably could have been fair caught. Um, Jalen Williams had a nice interception. Michael McFadden had a nice interception. They had three takeaways plus another three turnovers on downs, and they kind of did luck out on that 
crazy lateral play, TJ, um, where it, it had to have gone forward, and it did, and it was the right call. But, yeah. man, the people were getting a little anxious when it turned into a seven-point game, and that happened. Uh, so, But they put Rutgers to bed. Um, they've never played well at Rutgers uh, since the Scarlet Knights joined the Big Ten. I think this is the most complete game that they've played there um, uh-huh. since then. So let's move on to Michigan. But first, another word from our friends over at Bet Online. Football is in full effect with many teams strutting their stuff. You might uh, might not be at games this year, but you could still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you all the stuff that you need spreads totals team player coaching props whatever you want bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online head to bet online today and use promo code armchair to take full advantage of all their great sign-up bonuses bet online your online sportsbook experts so let's get in let's set the scene for saturday tj indiana returns home uh albeit with no crowd to face the 23rd-ranked Michigan Wolverines. Indiana comes in as the higher-ranked team by two spots. They come in with more momentum. Uh, They come in, I think, with a lot less pressure. Uh, Yeah, Indiana's ranked 13th. There's inherent pressure that comes with that. But Michigan just lost to Michigan State, who was a 25-point underdog in that game at home with a new coach in in a rebuilding year. Jim Harbaugh is now one in six at home against Ohio State and Michigan State. Uh, apparently, he hasn't worn khakis during a game all year. Um, if they lose to Indiana, his seat is going to be on fire. He has not won a meaningful game in a very long time at Michigan. Um, he's 0-4 in the last four bowl games. Uh, they've gotten spanked by Ohio State his entire tenure, uh, except for that overtime game. Just how much is that going to play into this game on Saturday, TJ? It's such an interesting matchup because opening night, we watched Michigan play Minnesota. And look, I'll be honest, I, I, I got suckered into it. I thought Michigan looked great against Minnesota. Um, I, I, their defense, you know, left a little to be desired, but I, I thought the offense ran it really well. I thought Joe Milton was effective, uh, not spectacular, but effective. However, Minnesota goes out and gets blasted by Maryland, uh, gives up, you know, basically whatever Maryland wanted to do on offense, they did. Uh, so you're left with, well, what does that Minnesota win? What does that performance against Minnesota actually mean? And then the next day, Michigan goes and loses to Michigan State at home, a team that lost to Rutgers. So the transitive property, which you cannot do in sports, it's all screwed up. Uh, what we're left with is what's Michigan have on the field? Uh, watching their two games, I'm kind of struck by the lack of difference makers they have on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I, I like their running backs. Are any of those guys, any one of them, 
as good as, as Stevie Scott is right now? I would say no. Uh, to my eye, no, they're not. Um, Haskins, Corum, Charbonnet, Chris Evans from Ben Davis. It's been a long and winding road for him, uh, but he's still there. They're dividing up the carries so much. None of those guys are getting into a rhythm. Um, Joe Milton, capable runner. Uh, there were ridiculous comparisons after his performance against Michigan or against Minnesota, ridiculous comparisons to Cam Newton simply because of how big he is. Uh, he's not even remotely close to the physical runner that Cam Newton is. Uh, so far, Joe Milton has been a capable runner. Uh, but, I mean, right now, Sean Clifford is a better scrambler than Joe Milton is. Uh, so you're left with what is it that they have on offense that scares you? The receiving core, so far, no difference maker there. Uh, there's not a single receiver that I think this Indiana secondary looks at and says, oh, we, we are going to have a hard time covering that guy. That doesn't mean that Michigan's going to pass for 50 yards. It just means the individual stars that you normally see at Michigan, I don't think they're there. On defense, I really like Quiddy Pay. Uh, and that's my biggest issue for Indiana in this game. The biggest thing for me to watch for, can I use offensive line, block the pressure that Don Brown is going to send? Uh, Don Brown defense, you know what you're going to get. They're going to send a ton of defense or a ton of pressure at the Indiana offensive line and at Michael Penix and see if they can take it. If you can block it and give Michael Penix a little bit of time, you're going to have one-on-one man-to-man coverage against a Michigan secondary that does not look very good to me. Uh, I think Indiana's receivers have the edge against the Michigan corners and safeties. Dax Hill is their best defensive player in the secondary. Uh, I'll be curious to see if they think about moving him to corner. Uh, They do have some more depth at safety, but uh, moving him from safety to corner because the guys that they have in man-to-man coverage aren't good enough to do that. I'm going to be very interested to see how much Indiana is able to stretch the field. If Michael Penix has time to do that, I think it can be really effective. Michigan's going to be counting on IU's offensive line not being good enough to block that pressure and that they'll be in the uh, Indiana backfield all day. That's going to be right off the bat the biggest thing to watch for as far as how successful Indiana can be is whether or not they can block the blitzes that are going to come. Yeah, and that's that's kind of why I'm leaning towards Michigan in this game is because of Indiana's inability to, to block up front. And if they can't hold up, it's going to be a long day. Uh, but you have a guy who could get the ball out of his hands really quickly. You have receivers um, who could make plays in space. Uh, and your receiving core is pretty good blockers too. Uh, you hopefully get Miles Marshall back this week. Um, and maybe even David Ellis. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I think an injury report is coming out tomorrow, uh, or at least one, an inactive report comes out Saturday. But if you could get those two back uh, with yep. their speed and, and their ability, that makes your receiving core that much deeper. Um, but are you going to have to max protect Michael Penix? Are you going to have to leave Stevie Scott in to block? Are you going to have to bring in Matt Bjorson? Um, they really need Cam Taylor back. I, I think if, if you're going max protect with, with 
five offensive linemen and a tight end. Uh, and then you could put Hender shot out at, you know, in the slot as kind of a wide receiver too. Um, Cam Taylor is a physical, physical blocker. He's a butt kicker. Um, and he, he's almost like another offensive lineman. I think if he play, if he was playing, the offensive line would be that much better. But it, it's – can they hold up against the, the blitzes that Don Brown's going to send? And he's yeah. going to send the house. Um, but if you could get the ball out quickly – and as you said, TJ, Michigan's defensive backs aren't great. This isn't, um, you know, Charles Woodson back there. And it, it's not, you know, a couple of the guys they had a few years ago back there who are no. great in man coverage. If you could hit a few seams in man coverage, you're going to force them to loosen up. Now, defensively for Indiana, they're going to continue. The secondary accounted for 34 tackles, six and a half tackles for loss, and two and a half sacks um, and an interception. The secondary is going to have to continue to play well. But you also need to keep contained with your linebackers, with Cam Jones and Michael, Mc, Michael McFadden, and you're going to have to get more pressure from that defensive line uh, to force Joe Milton to throw the ball, run the ball. Basically, you take the game plan that Michigan State had and you say, let's – let's do what we could do with it and, and attack Michigan that way. Um, a lot of questions about Michigan's effort in the Michigan State game comes up as well, how much buy-in there is. Uh, I think Josh Gaddis, their offensive coordinator, came out this week, said they didn't like their preparation for Michigan State. Uh, for a, a, a rivalry game where each side hates each other, and it's, I would say it's probably the second most heated rivalry in the Big Ten. Um, outside of Ohio State and, and Michigan. Um, you could throw IU and Purdue in there as well, but I think just that nationally they, they look at Michigan State and Michigan as a bigger rivalry. Um, if your players weren't locked in for that one, what are they going to do coming off a loss and going to Indiana? That's, that's, a, that's something that you have to look at too. But Indiana doesn't need to play their A-plus game anymore against Michigan. Should it? Do you hope they do? Yes, of course. You always want to bring your A-plus game. But I think the talent gap is closed a little bit to where Indiana could play their B game and play like they did. They probably can't play as badly as they did against Penn State and win. But if you play like you did against Rutgers for the, for the, the last three quarters of the game, you're in very, very good shape. Um, if Michigan plays their A game, I think Indiana still has a shot uh, if they play their A game. It's no longer the, the uh, if Michigan, like Ohio State. If Ohio State plays their A game, nobody's beating them. I, I, nobody is. It, it's just, a, sorry, they, it, it was not your day today. But if Michigan comes in and plays their, I still think Indiana has a shot. But to me, the biggest thing is the offensive line. Uh, TJ, what is your keys to the game? Your one key that need, Indiana yeah. needs to do to win. Well, I do want to throw in an extra point. Uh, there's there's plenty of ways Indiana can scheme around that pressure. Uh, Michigan comes hard up the field. They they typically do give up some screen passes. They give up. Uh, which I, I really hope David Ellis can be back for this game. I think he could be very effective uh, as a, a quick safety valve option. 
Um, but a player that I, I do look to have a nice game is Peyton Hendershot. Um, against pressure, Michael Penix will be looking to get the ball out of his hands quickly. We saw a couple of these little stick routes against Rutgers that worked. I think we could see some against Michigan as well, where Penix or, uh, Hendershot's going to chip a defender that's coming on pressure. He's going to chip him and then release and likely be open. Uh, those aren't probably going to get you huge gains, but they're going to keep you ahead of the chains. They're going to keep you from having a negative play. They're going to keep Penix off his back. Um, and I, you know, uh, maybe Hendershot breaks one of those for a big one, but what you're looking for on plays like that, when Michigan pressures, avoid the big negative play. That's what you're looking to have happen. Um, and look, if Penix has to throw some away, if he has to scramble out of the pocket and throw them away, that is far from the worst thing that can happen on plays like that. So uh, my one key to the game uh, outside of the offensive line, which I think we both agree is going to be critical. I know the IU staff feels that way as well. Uh, so I'm going to go um, with Indiana's rush defense against the Michigan running game. Um, I personally don't think that, you know, this could come back to bite me saying this, but I don't think any of the Michigan wideouts are going to give IU's, you know, defense nightmares. Um, I do think it's very possible that they're stable of running backs. Again, none of which are outstanding, but I think as a group, it's a really good group yeah. uh, with, with a lot of varying skill sets. Uh, I do think that those guys plus Joe Milton – uh, Michigan's game plan, I think, will be to be the more physical team and try and control this game using those, uh, those players to run the ball. Uh, if Indiana can force Michigan into third down and obvious passing situations where Joe Milton has to beat you with his arm uh, and stretch the field, I like IU's chances. Uh, so I, I think that that's going to be the key for the Hoosiers is the rush defense, which so far um, – against everybody not named Sean Clifford, I think it's been pretty good. That'll need to continue on Saturday. Yeah, my key for Indiana is going to be confidence. Um, there's a lot of history writing against Indiana in this one. They've lost 24 in a row against Michigan. Yeah. It seems every time Indiana has one of their better teams, Michigan finds some way to win. Uh, you know, the, the two overtime game in 2015, the overtime game in 2017, um, it went up to their place, I think it's 2018. Um, you know, last year, you, everybody was pumped up and Michigan just steamrolled IU. I think that you need confidence and you got to come in saying we're, we're better than that. You know, even the people in the polls think so. Now the people in Vegas don't. Um, but the people in the polls think so. Uh, and all that matters is that locker room. You can't come in saying, thinking about the 24-game the losing streak, the times where there have been phantom flags and out of bounds and throws into the tuba and, and things like that. It, it's You've got to have blinders and confidence and go and say it's a new team, new year. Uh, and then – you know, you're right. That secondary, that secondary can tackle as well as they did at Rutgers. They're going to be in business. And that's, I think, you know, part of my prediction is there's just so much bad history against 
I, or for IU against Michigan. And so that, that goes into the prediction as well. TJ, what's your prediction for Saturday? I mean, you're absolutely right. There's so many demons that need exercise. Uh, Tom Allen talked about it at his weekly press conference. Uh, you know, he didn't go out of his way to mention it, obviously, but he was asked uh, about, you know, that, that past against Michigan. And, you know, he said the past is not predictive. It has no impact on uh, what's going to happen on Saturday. Uh, however, you know, you do need to learn from what has happened in the past. And he feels like his team has, uh, you know, he, I think he mentioned that it, against Maryland uh, last season when Indiana pulled out a close victory, one of those that, you know, when it happened, you know, we on the site and we on this podcast, we commented like that felt like a changing of a narrative right there. It felt like that. And Tom Allen felt that way as well. He felt like it was the first time that his program and his players have seen a close game like that go Indiana's way. And then they did it at Nebraska as well. And that was another kind of block as you're building. Uh, I would say that the loss to Tennessee was a step backwards, but then the win against Penn state, a huge building block of belief forward. Uh, now, I'm, I'm, I want to beat Michigan just about as badly as I want Indiana to beat anybody. Um, I, I'm struggling to separate what I want in my heart from what is in my head. Uh, however, watching Michigan this past weekend, I did the, you know, the Big Ten in football or Big Ten in 60, uh, a great program the Big Ten Network does. Uh, Watching Michigan for these two games, I, I honestly feel like Indiana has more individual difference makers than Michigan does. And for whatever reason, it's the year. I'm going to go Indiana with the win. And you're right, Vegas has this one. It opened at Michigan minus three and a half. Um, I would anticipate this one kicks off Michigan uh, probably three or four. I think it'll stay right about there. I usually don't see anything at three. That's a, that's a key number. I don't think it's going to drop below that unless a ton of money comes in on the Hoosiers, which I would not anticipate. Uh, so Indiana to pull off the upset, according to Vegas, uh, I'm going to go with 31 to 27. The Hoosiers get the win 31 to 27. I do think this will be another nail biter against Michigan, but this one goes IU's way. Yeah, I, I find myself in the same battle. It's, you know, I watched the first half of the, the Michigan-Minnesota game, and I wasn't overly impressed. Now, Michigan ended up blowing them out, but that first half, yeah. Minnesota did a lot of things. And Minnesota was missing their kicker, and I think that changed the whole game. Um, they had short kickoffs. They had long kickoff return against them that set up a touchdown. There was a missed assignment on a run. Um, didn't have their punter either. Yeah, didn't have their punter either. It was I, – I, I really, really want to pick Indiana. However, I picked Penn State to win and Indiana won. Yeah. I was two points off last week. I said 35-21. I really want to be wrong this week. But, you know, 
part of it is that confidence. It's that confidence to say that Indiana has the better team on paper. But to me, it, it's going to come down to the offensive line. If the offensive line can't block, Indiana's going to get smashed. Um, if they can hold up, IU's got a very, very good chance of knocking this Michigan team off and having a super-duper special team, like really special season. Um, however, I've already said it publicly on other forums, I'm going to take Michigan 27, Indiana 21. Um, it's going to come down to that offensive line play. I hope I'm wrong. Um, I'll happily here. I told you so from you, TJ. Uh, if Indiana wins, uh, but that's oh, I'll be far too. Yeah, I'll be far too happy and delirious to to do anything like that. Trust me. Yeah, just shoot me a text. I told you so. And everybody um, listeners to the podcast, you, you could send us send me tweets, DMs. Told you so. Told you so. Um, I I'm just I until Indiana gets over this hump and there's a lot of uh there's a lot to it uh i'm gonna take michigan all right tj that does it for today's podcast thanks for joining us and uh we'll talk on uh on monday absolutely thanks everybody for listening and uh hopefully you enjoy all the pregame coverage to michigan and be back here uh, to listen to recap regardless of what happens we'll be here yeah, regardless of what happens, we'll be here. We'll be writing all our stories on HoosierHuddle.com. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore Huddle. Uh, we'll have plenty of coverage throughout, throughout the week, throughout game day, uh, and all of those things. Also, uh, we did this last week for Rutgers. We had a handful of people join us. It was I thought it went very well on Hot Mike. Go to HotMike.io. It is our um, pregame halftime show. Uh, with everybody, it's synced up to the call as well. Uh, we'll have people covering that uh, and all of that stuff. So one final word from our sponsors over at Manscaped. Um, listen up, fellas, because today we have a new Manscaped product alert. Manscaped just released the Weed Whacker nose and, nose and ear hair trimmer. Uh, take a look in the mirror, and I guarantee you you'll see hair sticking out of those holes. So it's time to keep your ear and nose hair looking as nice as possible. Uh, we have a deal going on over at Armchair. Get 20% off and free shipping uh, with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off at Armchair uh, with the promo code armchair at manscaped.com. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds. All right, that does it for this week's podcast. Thank you, TJ, for joining me uh, today and being flexible. Have a happy and safe uh, Tuesday. And uh, we'll see you next Monday, hopefully recapping an Indiana victory over Michigan and getting ready for the old brass spittoon game. Uh, for Sammy Jacobs and team of Jay Inman, uh, have a great Tuesday afternoon. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.